welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, I'm excited to be recording this podcast this week because we're going to talk to some national champions in a little bit. But I do want to start with talking high school football like we normally do, especially in the fall, and especially in playoff time. As we have taken a beating <laughs> this last two weeks losing teams, um, but we still have one left. But the most exciting game of the weekend was Buffalo Gap as they went down to Central Lunenburg and were part of a thriller. And uh, they lose. They come up on the on the crappy end of it. Uh, but they lose 15-14. But it was a heck of a ball game. Yeah. Um, I hate to say I kind of warned our listeners about this. But I, I had said I, I don't know if – we're going to find out here shortly if the Shenandoah district just had a lot of parody because we had a lot of good teams or if we were kind of a lot of mediocre altogether. And it seemed to be the latter uh, because Buffalo Gap loses this game to Central Lunenburg, which is not a very tough region in 1B. So um, it's heartbreaking that they lose this game. I know they did their best. They were in the tight game. They didn't get blown out, which is good. Um, and Buffalo Gap's going to bring back, you know, a lot of players next year, but got to feel like this is a bit of a disappointing close to the season and um I'm sure Buffalo Gap was saying you know state playoffs are their goal but at least the region championship uh to get a rematch against Riverheads in a big rivalry would have been um the kind of floor of the goals you would you would have thought yeah. you can kind of look at that and be like well we we did all we could <laughs> until we had to play um you know the eventual state old, champion for, for yeah yeah yeah, it, I mean, and it was anybody's ball game. I mean, it was one of those where, I mean, really, it just came down to the coaching decision and just a, <laughs> just a completely brave decision by that coach. He called a fake extra point. I mean, it wasn't lined mm -hmm. up, go for two with your offense on the field. He he did a fake extra point where the up guy took the snap directly and then just ran right up the middle and got the you know two and a half yards that he needed, and I, it was it was kind of incredible to see that that's how they, they did that. I, I guess I had seen Friday night on Twitter during the game. Oh, they went for two and took the lead. Wow. Like that's, but then to see the actual way it happened was just, was really, really crazy. So uh, they're a solid team and I'll, I'll talk more to that point in a minute, but I mean, they have fast runners and they have a little bit of size in their line. So they gave gaps some trouble, but I do think, you know, I start to question things that we've said and not that by any means is anybody listening to us and changing their game plan accordingly. I don't I don't want to imply that anybody from that team was actually listening to us. But I think the idea that they probably had as well as us saying it of developing the passing game, using the pass maybe more than they did in previous years. And they have that weapon in Luke Tinsley. I, I don't always appreciate how they use the passing game. I, I would have liked to seen it at different points of season and including this game mixed in a little bit more other than just gone to and where it's just like there's a section of passing instead of, you know, throwing on second down every once in a while and, and, and then using it on third and fourth down when you need to. It's just like sometimes they just go into this mode where they're passing seven out of eight times and it just I think it, then it becomes a little more predictable and I don't think their passing game was nearly good enough to withstand being predictable with the passing game. So 
I think that's one of the things that hurt them there. They also weren't as good on fourth down in this ball game. And, uh, you know, that was something they were really good with in that Stanton game. And it seemed like they were as confident with it in this game as they were with Stanton, but they didn't, they missed on two fourth down conversions. And the, on the second one, uh, the, excuse me, the first one really cost them because that allowed Lunenburg to then score that touchdown that they would eventually go ahead with, with the extra point. But then there was another fourth down after that, they go and didn't get it. And that allowed central Lunenburg to get the ball, run a whole lot more clock off. And uh, also field possession was really against them there. So, you know, it, it came down to, they came down to fourth down conversion, something that they leaned on this year in some of their wins. And then also the, the passing game, just not producing enough. And, and at the end, it, it got them down inside the 20. I mean, they had a huge pass down to Luke Tinsley down the left side and they got it inside the 20 and they were set up to take the lead, but then they spike it. And then the next three downs are passes and not really the greatest effort of passing. And uh, they all go incomplete. They turn the ball over and downs the game's over. So, you know, I, I would have, there was times in this game where they seemed like they just went to that passing nonstop where I just thought if they mixed the, still had the run involved, it probably would have made the whole thing work a little. They had had more success. And so, um, yeah, it's 2020 though. It's looking back and saying what could have been, you know, uh, what you could have done right. And I think in the moment they're making the decisions they are, but yeah, it's disappointed they lose there. I think that is with this region not being just some kind of dominant region, you expect Buffalo Gap, if they're as good as as we thought they were, that to to at least play Riverheads, and and they fall short of that. Yeah, and I I don't know, I I don't mind them passing the ball. I know you don't like it, but I I think that's not the problem there. I think maybe the the routes that are called maybe are the problem. Um, maybe instead of all go routes, you mix in a slant or two or a post. Um, but I, I don't mind Buffalo Gap trying to pass when you have you know, uh, a generational athlete there in Luke Tinsley. The, the way you just said that is the way I want them to do it is mix it in. It's just they go to all passing all of a sudden. No, and I'm saying I don't have a problem with the number of passes. I'm saying maybe don't go go routes all the time because it seemed like Luke Tinsley was go route or bust. Like that seemed to be the strategy. Yeah. I don't mind throwing the ball, but. I like him on the go route as much. Like he he's not using his height on the go route, and I don't think he's faster than everybody on the field he plays with. So it, it's it's tough. Yeah, I think if you maybe maybe use posts or slants occasionally or button hooks or something where he can just stand and be taller, that helps. But um, and then in the end zone, you know, you're fading to him or whatever. But um, I, I mean, how many times in that Stanton game did Stanton have guys on Tinsley and Tinsley still catches it because of how big he is? Like, I understand why Buffalo Gap uses that. They're not going to have that anymore. That's gone. So we'll find out. Right. And um They've had these, they had a, uh, the tight end who operated similarly. I think he went to VMI um, uh, when he was done. They, they have these kids come through. So good for them. Hopefully they have another one in the works for them because they've, they've had a couple come through. And I remember back, back in my day, you know, way back when uh, they had some big receivers out there. So uh, Ryan bonus was one of the kids out there that time. So yeah, I'm they, they've had these big bodies come through. Hopefully they got more because that was, that was great with Luke Tinsley and it, yeah. Imagine if they had two of them. My goodness. Yeah, I'm just saying, I, I don't think that maybe maybe the particular routes of the pass plays that are called are the problem and not necessarily the passing plays. I don't mind a team trying to mix in a little more pass, especially when you have a guy like Tinsley that 
can I, be I, such a weapon. And you just, but, I don't know. You, you say it the same way that I have the issue. Like the word mix doesn't really apply when I see their passing game. It's like all of a sudden it's just passing, like a passing part of the game. And I, that's, that's what I, that's what I feel weird about. So, yeah. Um, but their season's over and uh, now yeah. central Lunenburg will come back over to Augusta County this weekend when they get ready to take on Riverheads who kind of dominated Sussex central in a game that uh, you were there Friday night to call. Yeah. And this is a team, you know, we talk about Buffalo gap is going to be the only team locally remaining in class one. I think this is a team next year that we will be talking about again. Cause I think the Sussex central team had some pieces that you could, you could see uh, this year. Uh, it's just, you know, against Riverheads couldn't put it all together, but I think, with being improved and playing, you know, better next year. I think they'll be in the mix for the region one B championship. I think they're going to host playoff games next year. Um, maybe, maybe we'll see a matchup between them and Buffalo gap, but against Riverheads, they opened the game. They couldn't have done better. They did a nine minute drive, 80 yards, come down, score the touchdown. And it was just like everybody that thought this was just going to be, we're going to roll over, you know, buckle up. The problem with that is they never really stopped Riverheads offensively, and then Riverheads offense or defense did kick in and and stop them. And it was only until the game was probably decided the even best way you look at it, it was already decided before they had those good drives again. So it was like too little, too late. So that you know, rest the first quarter and second quarter, Riverheads just three and outed them or four and outed them. Uh, really, you know, that was the difference, and that's what Riverheads is going to do to you. But then you still saw against good for against you know first trainer riverheads you saw them come back and and have better drives the thing that kind of killed them all night in addition to not really stopping riverheads run offense the rushing game was they just never had field position they didn't have a punter um and when he did punt only one of them was even half good everything else was terrible i think it made the decisions of them punting you know when they were at their own 40 they were rather go for it than punt it because they'd rather not punt it 10 yards and and then at a time they did do that, it, you saw why. So that's something obviously they need to have different, but they got a little bit of talent in the Brochette kid and the Cropper kid, both of them juniors, a bunch of the other kids' names are junior. It seemed like every name we said on Friday were juniors. I think I think they have a potential to be better next year and have, maybe have an impact in that region. But Riverheads is still in that region this year. Caden Cook-Cash is still <laughs> on that team this year. And uh, – Luke Bryant and everybody else, and they all had great games. Uh, Kane Cook Cash had 131 yards with three touchdowns. Luke Bryant had two touchdowns with his 79 yards. Uh, there was even the pass from Dunlap to Weston was which a nice little catch there where it was Weston's first touchdown as a gladiator, so that was cool to see. Um, so, you know, I kind of breeze past that. It sounds like Riverheads played real good. They didn't really play really good. They played – it just – they kind of struggled through some set of downs defensively. They had their issues and even no court coach Norcross in the post game was pretty negative about his team's performance and they still win by 27, still put up 47 points. It's just, it kind of tells you the level of what Riverhead is playing at when they don't really play their best game. And I'd say it was one of their worst games I've seen them play in weeks, um, you know, uh, for a while now. And uh, it was still a, a big win and, gets them to the next level, gets them to the next round of the playoffs here. So credit to them that their level is that high where they can kind of have a bad game and still win the way they did. I will say they're not going to want to see some of the same mistakes and problems they were having in this game. Um, you know, continue. I, I think 
you know, moving this ahead to Central Lunenburg, you know, I think if Central Lunenburg plays their perfect game, which is going to be, you know, rushing the ball real well and that ball control, you know, if, the, if Riverhead's going to throw the ball on the ground a couple times like they did in this one, I think, you know, a terrible game by Riverheads can be beat by a, a perfect game from Central Lunenburg. I think there's weeks that Riverheads plays opponents where their best game isn't going to beat Riverheads no matter how bad Riverheads plays. So I do think Central Lunenburg has a game in them that could beat Riverheads, but it's going to be Riverheads self-inflicting wounds for the most part. I don't think this is a team that can take on a, a good Riverheads effort and still beat them. But, you know, their goal to victory here is going to be try to outscore Riverheads. And a lot of teams have come to Greenville trying to do that, and no one really does that. It's been a long time since I've seen someone really do that. So they're they're going to have to be successful running the ball and find stops somewhere. I I don't see them really able to stop Riverheads a whole lot, but maybe they score a little bit. But I, I don't know. I'm trying to make it optimistic for Central Lunenburg. I think they're better than Sussex Central. I think um, – I think they are in that gap range. Gap was in the game with Riverheads a couple weeks ago at Riverheads deep into the third quarter. So, you know, can Central Lunenburg do that? I think it is possible. I just would, I wouldn't expect it and I wouldn't expect it mean a win. Yeah, I think, I don't know how else to say this other than I don't, I don't think Central Lunenburg's winning. Um, I, I have said Riverheads is going to have no problems in class one. They haven't had any yet. I don't think Friday is going to be the first problem. Um, so I think central Lindenburg coming a long way. I think they're going to get beat and, um, then Riverheads will be out of their hair and maybe central Lindenburg or Sussex central or these teams can, can look at next year at trying to get out of one B, but it's not going to happen this year. So that game is Friday and, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't know if I blew past this, but I mean, they, they, they're run first. They'll have some misdirection in the backfield and, and they run, you know, the T back there when any of those three guys can get it. And you might think one guy has it, the other guy has it and they have a lot of speed. So if you're, if you're not reading that correctly, they'll be by you before you even know. And gaps saw that with a 50 yard touchdown, but they will also just run right at you. They also, you know, aren't scared just to, yeah, we're going to run here, try to stop it kind of thing. So that's kind of the offense. That went. This is the best central Lunenburg I've seen come through. And that's, and that's, you know, a program that is full of history. Um, it's the best one I've seen of recent years. Cause I mean, they were great in the eighties and nineties as a program and doing a lot of winning at class one level. They've been off of that. And, and that's the teams we've seen come through riverheads. Uh, this is the best ones of that. And this is one of the better region one B teams. I think I've seen even in these other one B championships coming from that side of the state, uh, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of challenging, um, and I'm not saying this one definitely will be some kind of challenge, but I, I do think this is one of the better teams to come from that side of the state. And so I'll, I'll give them that credit. Um, so the, uh, and, and they have some size in their line. So that's, that's something to look forward to if you're a Riverheads fan of, of what they got. Um, you know, it's hard to see this matchup and not remember the, the game in 2000. Uh, I was texting back and forth with Patrick Hyde about that today. I think he has something written coming up uh, about them. We'll have to see what he puts out, but, I was remembering that game because I was, you know, field adjacent for that. I was on the team and uh, on the sidelines and it was a crazy game. And it was kind of that turning point, I think, for the program. They, the week before had won the first playoff game in school history, uh, Riverheads. I, I, I say they, it was we, I was on that team. Um, but in this game, you know, it was, it was kind of back and forth. It was uh, four 
Andrew Hemp touchdowns that gave 28 points to Riverheads and Central Lunenburg had wrapped up 28 points. But then there was a big fourth down stop where Central Lunenburg kind of, it kind of made me laugh looking back at some of these details. They went for it on their own 30 uh, deep in the game because they just had that confidence they get the first down and uh, Riverhead stopped them on a fourth and one. And then that set up, you know, short time later, 23 yard uh, game winning field goal by Zach Jones. That was his first field goal attempt of the season. <laughs> so it showed you how much Riverheads was kicking going into that. And I loved the quote that Chris Lassiter for the newsletter had in the paper from Coach Casto. Uh, it says, I'm not in charge of the defense, Casto said. I don't know what happened. I just know somebody made a big play and that's how it's supposed to be. And I just love that quote, especially fast forward uh, 23 years later, 22 years later, that you know, the guy that is in charge of the defense is uh, Ray Norcross, and he's the one that called that defense, and they, they got it done. And now Coach Ray Norcross is the head coach, and how much success has happened with those two guys since then. So I just loved that quote out of that. Out of that. But it was one of those epic games that kicked the field goal to win the game with zeros on the clock. Everybody went crazy. That was the first time Riverhead said is going to the state playoffs. Obviously, only their second playoff win ever and it, but that season. So uh, that kind of – I felt like that was one of those turning point moments by a – close victory and I, I just a lot of there's gonna be a lot of people at that game this coming Friday that are that were there for that one are gonna remember those moments and uh, so that was pretty cool yeah um I think that um that's an interesting aspect but <laughs> yeah it's interesting for the Riverheads people no one no one else I was gonna say, say it's really a generation ago maybe so. some central Lunenburg uh you know, parents probably have some kids on that team. Probably, you know, you just expect it because there's Riverheads parents that were on that team. So that's just for people with Riverheads or Central Lindenburg going to remember that. Uh, around the state, Essex, they'll host Keen and Queen for the Region 1A. So if Riverheads does advance or whoever wins this game will play the winner of that. Definitely going to be Essex is the short answer there. Uh, Galax down in 1C, they fell to Grayson County. That was kind of a mm-hmm. one of the highlight upsets in the state this past week and so Grayson County the number four seed moves on they take on the number two seed George with for that region championship and then down in 1D Patrick Henry and Grundy will uh will go so those are all the teams left in class one and if Riverhead's able to advance like we expect them to uh those are the names that will be possible for them to play yeah I um as you said Galax losing is the big news there but it just means Riverheads will play a different team in the championship and beat a different team. <laughs> it's always your confidence there. Um, so then in class two, I said, we're only down to Riverheads. That means Stewart's draft had to lose. They did. They lost to the Rams of Strasburg, 28 to seven, no offensive touchdowns. I don't think either of us are that surprised that that kind of stat came out of that game. The offense was what we were questioned all season coming out of draft. And so they score with a, you know, the game's already over. It's already 21 nothing, but a fumble return to the end zone 30, year, 30 yards for Van and Vance. That's the only points they're able to put up. They're outgained by Strasburg, 332 yards to 47. Um, but then also with their defense, though, they, you know, I, I said their offense, obviously a mess, but their defense, I mean, they're giving up passing touchdowns. The first two touchdowns for Strasburg were fourth and long pass completions that turned into touchdowns. And then there was a third touchdown pass to make it 21 nothing. Game's over. So, it, it, you know, I think they hit a better team. I think Coach Floyd said as much in post-game interviews, and I, I think that's accurate. And I think that's why you and I thought Strasburg were probably going to win that game because we just we thought they were better, and that's what we saw. 
Yeah, and it's it's because of the problems we saw in this ball game, right? We didn't like Stuart Straff's offense this year. We didn't think they were nearly consistent enough. They had under 50 yards of offense. You will win zero games with that kind of number. So um, it's not terribly surprising to see a team that has dominated the whole year. They're all, Strasburg's only loss, as you guys said, right, uh, a ton uh, in the postgame was due to a forfeit. So they haven't lost on the field all season. They're going to cruise through here. I think they're going to beat Central again and win 2B. And then, you know, we'll see what happens when they get deeper into the Class 2 playoffs. But it, this was a game that Stewart's draft just was not going to win. And frankly, um, this is why you and I didn't have confidence that the Cougars were going to win this game. They just haven't been consistent enough. Uh, we we touched on Clark County was maybe the one matchup in all of Region 2B that was favorable for them. They took advantage of that and at least got to the region semifinals, which is great, but that's where that was always going to end. Yeah, and yeah, I was hoping for local sake. You know, I, I want our local teams to win. I just, I don't know, it, that Bull Run District, too solid for you to be undefeated going through all that. I mean, at one point, I think we thought, okay, maybe they'll all beat up on each other. I think after that first Loray loss, okay, maybe they'll all beat up on each other. No, you, you don't come out at on top of all those games unless you're pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so Strasburg is. Uh, they're the favorite this week going into Central Woodstock. They've already beat them one this season. Now it could be a great game and a close game. And sure, I, I would think it's less of a shocker for Central to go in and beat Strasburg this week than it would have been draft last week. But I'd still say Strasburg favorite for a reason because of what we've seen on the football field all year. And that's them not lose a game on the football field all year. Yeah. And it's their ability to be a dual threat offense. They can throw it or they can run it. And they're very good at both. So really good at passing game. And, and I I was looking at that. That's what I was highlighting in the stats on Friday. I don't think I said as much on the podcast last week, but just a really well-developed passing game. And I, they, you know, draft didn't see a passing game as good as this all season. No, that's true. Um, Class two also uh, King William will play Pocosin in class a they'll get the winner of Strasburg central, but region C big on uh, fours over one in class one and class two Appomattox beating Radford. Uh, so that's another four seed Appomattox getting to another region championship and they'll actually play the three seed Glenver who beat the two seed there. Yeah, so that makes 2C interesting, and it, I think it shows some of that experience from Appomattox coming through there. Radford was talked about kind of all year that they were really strong, even even before mm-hmm. they were having so many wins. I think it, week three or four, I was hearing how good Radford is. Well, here's Appomattox, who had took their lumps this year. And Appomattox doesn't have an easy schedule, uh, and here they go with their experience and, and edge that one out. And then also down in 2D, Graham versus Ridgeview. That's the one versus two down there. Um, you know, obviously Graham coming off their great season a year ago too. So a lot of familiar names there as well. Yep. All right, Joe, let's next, I want to highlight something that was really cool this weekend that happened that, you know, I had kind of caught wind of a couple of weeks ago of how great a season that the Richard Bland uh, college of William and Mary, it's a junior college over in Petersburg, what they were doing with volleyball. And the only reason I even knew about it before then is because of, Lainey Goggins involvement on that team. And I, I've known Lainey since she was a, a little girl and now she's uh, 
we've talked about her and her success at Fort Defiance. And then we've also talked about Sydney Phillips and her success at Riverheads and leading them to a couple uh, state championship games. But both of them, along with others, were on the volleyball team. And then this weekend, they got to travel to Grand Rapids, Iowa for the national championship tournament. And they came home with a national title. And I want to welcome on Laney and Sydney right now. They're two Augusta County girls that have brought home a national championship back to Virginia. Girls, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yes. So uh, plenty of things to talk about. I want to talk about this weekend first. I, I know I want to talk about some old stuff at some point, but you guys traveled all the way out there. You, you know, loaded up the plane, I guess, but you're, I think your parents loaded up cars and trucks and stuff to go out there. Just talk about the excitement of even, you know, having the opportunity to compete in this tournament. Well, honestly, this was an amazing experience. Obviously, we traveled all day, what, Tuesday. Um, we knew going into it that we had a great shot. <laughs> you guys hollered a little bit, it sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah, my voice is so I'm trying to be as loud as possible. <laughs> But yeah, our parents both drove out. Mm -hmm. We had a bunch of family there, a bunch of support. It was just, it was all cool. Yeah. So, and, and you guys, you know, did it kind of the TNT way. You had a lot of drama. I mean, you got through Thursday pretty, you know, pretty well. But then Friday, you were down 0-2 in your game and had to fight back. What, what was going through your heads when you're down 0-2, you travel all this way, you have these goals, and you're down 0-2, you know, what's going through your heads at that point? And then, you know, talk about the excitement of actually making that comeback and advance into the final. Um, I mean, honestly, at that point in the game, of course, everybody's going to be, like, kind of nervous because you've only got that third set, you think. But we went into that tournament, like – we knew we were gonna win. Like we, we came in there, we came in there confident, and the confidence just kept coming. The team, the chemistry was awesome during the game, and we told ourselves that we were gonna win, and that's the mindset that we held the entire tournament. And that wasn't the first time we've been down two sets. Like, yeah, we're a fighting team. We're all super hard workers, and none of us will ever give up. Mm -hmm. So what? I and mean, what does your coach say to you there? You know, that's. That's a that's a difficult spot. What what was the message? What can you remember your coach, you know, getting through your heads at that moment? Um, I remember coach told us we were down and she said the coaches, she was talking about her and her husband, Sean. She said, We're not gonna stop fighting for this, so we don't expect you guys to stop fighting. And I think that really opened up like the rest of the flame that was left in like inside of us for fighting for the game. They also always like made it known that the pressure's never on us. We were playing the number one team. Like the pressure wasn't on us. It was just our fight to it was our battle. Yeah. We we fought for it. So you you got that win, you're advancing to the final. You know, what's what's the emotions going through you there? How much confidence do you have? You know, taking on, you know, that you see the Scottsdale team, they came in a dramatic way as well. You know, how much confidence do you have going into that game? Um, honestly, I think one of our captains, Kerrigan, she said Cinderella stories do happen. And I think that was definitely like the baseline for that game. You had the number six in the nation and the number five in the nation playing each other. It was just like a crazy game. Everybody was so excited after the Johnson County game. 
the emotions were already high because we beat the number one team in the nation. So we just kept running off that energy. Was there yeah. any <laughs> was there any concern? I mean, after you come back down 0-2 in the championship, you're up 2-0 and then find yourself in a game five. Was there any tightness or nervousness going into that final set? I don't really think so. No. I mean, I think for a minute we might have gotten a little almost complacent being yeah. up 2-0 because we were just so used to being like the winners, but, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But after that, like we knew that we we're going to fight back because that's the same thing we had to do the night before. Mm -hmm. But we also knew that like we had more talent, we had more team chemistry, and we worked so hard for that all season. Mm -hmm. So you know, in the stadium there, you, you talked about your family's traveling. I was, I was in Augusta County. I, you know, paid the $5 and had it on our TV and we had a family room full of supporters oh. here yelling. You couldn't hear us. How, how was it to be that far from home and have, you know, your, your family and friends up in the stands and, and it was, it, it had to be an impact. You could hear it a lot through the TV, how, how much they were yelling there. Well, we definitely knew that this was a big deal for everybody at home being such a small town. So we knew we had the sport from home and then we could look up and see our family literally surrounding us all throughout the gym. We both looked up at one point and saw Lainey's little sister, Sydney, and she was like sending so much love. She was oh so God, cute, yeah. so supportive. And I don't know, I think it was so like heartwarming mm -hmm. just to see everybody, hear everybody. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was fun to watch that game, and I, I, I think I missed out on a lot of the rest of the season. I've heard about it all season. Uh, you know, the others that I was watching the game with, they had kind of been following on, uh, you know, a lot closer. I know, uh, Lainey, your, your dad, he uh, mm -hmm. uh, he likes to <laughs> videotape inside the gyms. I, I think they got yeah. this weekend, huh? Oh, goodness. I felt bad <laughs> when he couldn't record this weekend, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook Live was uh, was helping everybody out but until this weekend. Well, I do want to look back a little bit. You know, uh, Cindy, I want to start with you. Uh, you know, we'll start with the Gladiators here since I'm one of those. Uh, oh. You were so successful at Riverheads and, and led those teams to great finishes and, and all the way to state tournament games. I, you know, talk about some of the experiences that you had at Riverheads that kind of set you up uh, for the success you're having now. Um. Riverheads for me was definitely a building point. Like coming from such a small town, I, Petersburg is still a small town. So it was just like, I think it was like a huge transition, but coming from Riverheads being small, so like close knit together, such a like, such a tight family, you know, like on the teams I was had there, the family around, the supporters, the fans, everything like that. like. I don't know. It definitely set me up for success. There were easily some hard times, you know, like we went to the championship four years in a row and lost <laughs> all of them. So it was like, it was a lot to learn from for sure. Mm -hmm. And so Lainey, I'll jump to you or actually no, Sydney, I, I did, did want to highlight, I had this note here and I, I missed it, but you you had the win and serve. You serve in on the on the yeah, clincher. <laughs> I, I blew past that point, and, and that was so exciting. And there was this guy in a Tennessee hat in my way <laughs> on the screen. Uh, which I, that was your dad. Um, that was my dad. What, what was that like to to be you know have your hands on the ball at that at that big moment? Well, it was actually so funny. He 
because they called a timeout in volleyball. That's the thing you do to ice the server. Yeah. And so I knew what they were doing. I was fully prepared for it. I've been in that situation so many times. But when I went back on the line, like it was so loud in the gym. But all I heard was the music playing. I heard my thoughts running. And I knew that this was game point. I knew it was a huge deal. But I also like was telling myself, this ball's not coming back over the net. Like mm -hmm. this is gonna be the game. Mm -hmm. So I was just, you know, letting loose, had a little fun. It was just another game. Dancing, you know. I was, I was doing <laughs> Yeah, you were dancing. They were showing on the screen. The announcer, uh, I, I don't think was applying uh, your dance moves uh, exactly correctly, but no, he was, uh, you were you were calm and collected and, and having a good time. That was awesome to see. It was. <laughs> so Lainey, you know, you just graduated from Fort. What kind of lessons did you take at your time at Fort to this team? Um, honestly, my time at Fort was such a big growth period for me playing volleyball because I started my eighth grade year and I was I didn't know anything about volleyball, so I was really nervous going into it. But Coach Leonard and the coaching staff at Fort taught me so much and they've done so much for me. It just set me up for something bigger, I guess you could say, bigger and greater. And honestly, all the effort that they put into my volleyball career has turned me into the volleyball player that I am today. And then coming here and Coach Stephanie and Coach Sean just made me grow even more. For sure. Yeah, 100%. So now that you've won a national championship, I mean, what an accomplishment in your first year. Oh my goodness. It's honestly so surreal to me. Like if you would have told me last year, my senior season, like if you would have told me that I was going to go play college and win a national championship, I probably would have laughed. Like I honestly, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to come to college for volleyball, but I'm glad I'm here. I made so many friends here. I've made so many bonds like these, these, this is my family, honestly. So what have you guys been up to since clinching that national championship? I think most of us have been trying to catch up on our sleep. Yeah, sleeping probably. <laughs> Waking up at 3 a.m. to go to a fight is takes a toll on your sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, imagine. I, I heard you guys didn't sleep at all after winning that championship between between the championship and the flight. I think Not I took really. yeah, I think I took like a 20 minute nap. Me too. I had a 20 minute nap. <laughs> Well, so exciting, you guys. Uh, you know, Richard Bland, uh, such a small school to, to yeah. be at this level. Mm -hmm. I was here in uh, Sydney. Your, your dad might have teed me up on a, on a couple stats here. Uh, <laughs> Richard Bland, uh, 700 students, and the next smallest school that was out there in that tournament uh, or in that top six, you know, going into the weekend was 3,000 schools, and a lot of them were like 10,000. Uh, I think it's fitting that, uh, you know, a couple of Augusta County ladies are, are going – over there and helping a small school accomplish such big things since we're a county full of full of small schools. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then you're all Virginia girls. That's what I was really excited to hear that there was, I think one, one of the uh, ladies on the team was from Ohio and she had kind of came sure, with the yeah. coaching staff, but everybody else is from the state of Virginia. That's gotta be something to be proud of, of doing it kind of homegrown. Oh Definitely. yeah, brought it back to the DMV, baby. We did. <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Well, we always ask uh, some kind of lighter question to get out of interviews. It's usually about what you're binge watching or what you're hoping to binge watch. And that probably be the, the case for you guys. You've been so busy with volleyball lately. I'm going to spin it now that we're in the holiday season. Uh, what uh, Christmas movie are you most looking forward to watching uh, coming up here? I'd honestly say Nightmare Before Christmas, just because I love Halloween so much and it just gives that vibe. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> well, I've already watched The Grinch three times, so I'm gonna have to go with The Grinch. <laughs> so which, which Grinch are we talking? Well, okay, I had one day where I was doing homework and so I watched all the Grinches, but easily the Jim Carrey one is the best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, I think that's something different uh, in generations. Like, I, I obviously the old one, or maybe not obviously, you just said what you wanted that you thought the best was. I like the original, you know, 30 minute made for TV, uh, the original Dr. Seuss's Grinch. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah. That's, that's my jam. I didn't like the Jim Carrey's one as much, but I think, I think it's as a generational thing. I think that one, the Jim Carrey one, was maybe made for, for you guys, not my, these old guys. Like <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, that's, that's all right, bad. okay. <laughs> And I like the new Pharrell one though. That was fun with my kids. So I, I like, yeah, yeah. I think they all have credit. So, but you're, you're high on the Jim Carrey one. That's good to know. <laughs> well, ladies, I'm so proud that you guys had the success, brought a national championship uh, back to the state of Virginia. And we'll take a little claim of that in Augusta County. Laney, I, you're always going to be that little, little girl rolling around in the living room floor uh, at holidays in my mind. So it was oh amazing goodness. to watch you uh, have this success and, and, just dominate at the net like you like you do so it was just great watching that but uh congratulations to you both thanks for coming on the podcast with us and we hope to hear more great things from you guys coming up thank you, thank so, you much. so much well joe it was awesome to have them on come on to talk about that national championship That's volleyball two weeks in a row we need more volleyball in this podcast but what an accomplishment for them to uh, be national champion. I, I thought she made a great point of if you'd have told me a year ago I was going to go to college and play and win a national championship, I'd have laughed at you. And, you know, they they got it done. And, and uh, at a place that's, you know, only fifth year of having volleyball at Richard Bland, for them to, you know, accelerate that program, be a part of that. I, sure. I, I keep giving those two the, all the credit. Of course, we're going to do that with our Augusta County ladies there, but, you know, for them to go there and just raise the bar at that, at that school. I, I love it. Yeah. It's a huge, huge week for them. And that's great. Um, and a, and a big accomplishment for them. But, um, you know, if you want to have more volleyball, we could have a former guest back on James Hickey is very familiar with the JMU volleyball team. Yes, just making the run unbelt though, which was exciting. I watched a lot of volleyball this week because I watched them as well. And uh, it was fun. So, uh, yeah, it's it is time we have James Hickey back on. We should test him right now and only say it on the podcast that we want him back on and uh, <laughs> see if he listens. Well, we did make his Spotify wrapped last year. So I'm not, that's almost that time of year again. So I'm not sure if we'll make it. Um, but, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if we can get him on. He's always in the middle of all the fun stuff happening at JMU. Including this weekend when he was there for the football game, and that was an exciting game. They had to come back. Uh, they made it. They put themselves in a situation where it had to be exciting. They were way down, but they come back and get the forty-two to forty win, um, and uh, they get that W, and it leaves them in a position to, you know, finish first in their side of things if they're able to win this week at Coastal Carolina. Now that won't mean that they get to uh, 
you know, have a championship under their belt because they're not eligible, but still an accomplishment to come out first year and even be in a position where they're talking about, you know, finishing first in a division of the Sun Belt Conference. Right. That was a big win. Sorry. Um, it was a big win for them. Um, and, and that was a game, honestly, I had given up. Like, I saw the halftime score, and I was like, all right, peace out, Cub Scouts. I'll watch other games. Um, but they came back, found a way to win that game, which was huge for JMU because they've been uh, kind of struggling to close out games. So to come back, and this was kind of reminiscent of the App State game earlier in the season where they were down big, came back, totally different team in the second half and got a win. That's huge for them, um, and that's a building block for the future. Uh, like you said, no matter what happens against Coastal Carolina, you're not going to the Sun Belt Championship game, but that's fine. Um, that's yeah. the rules. Everybody knew that going in, um, mm-hmm. even though it's being touted as some huge thing on Twitter by it's not unfair it's, by a by a fan that uh, gets paid to write puff pieces and be a mouthpiece, but. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still an accomplishment and it, yeah, it, it doesn't need to be turned negative. I don't think it has to be an unfair thing. It's just, you know, there's rules in place to protect people uh, moving up and JMU's kind of shown the light of why those rules don't make as much sense, but there's still the rules. So that's still what's going to happen. So I mean, that's fine, but it, it's been great. And, you know, they've been one of the highlights in the, in, football uh in the state of virginia this year you know early in the year with their win against appy state and i think if they could kind of close this off with a win over coastal carolina you know we're talking about them beating you know multiple teams this year that i thought they'd have trouble with and i i think that would be just a great bookend to the season for them yeah they would um uh, virginia yeah, tech they they did beat liberty um i think Woo. you and i both said they had no shot in that game so we're wrong. Gladly. <laughs> Gladly wrong. Um, this was a win that, uh, frankly, you know, Tech just needed to have. Um, it, it feels good to get that win. The The defense was much better than they had been. It kind of felt like throughout the entire season, the offense looked better. I still wouldn't say good, um, but better. I still am very much of the belief that the quarterback is still probably not in the room. Um, but this was a big, big win for Virginia tech and they found a way to win and the defense did enough, uh, to, to stop Liberty really only giving up two touchdowns. Um, the other one was, uh, a kickoff return, the kickoff. Yeah. The kick return, but, and it was just a tight game all the way through. And when tech started out good, I said, Oh goodness, you know, here's another one of these, but we never let Liberty kind of take off from, from us, which was, which was good. So, and I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to harp too much on the win because I'm happy we had the win, <laughs> but it's just there, there haven't been many this year. So, you know, the progress is kind of what more I judged. And like you said, the offense kind of running a little bit better was good. The, I like this, that the defensive coordinator was actually calling the defensive plays. I think that's going to help us sooner than later by those kind of decisions, maybe going into next season. That's just the way that that would be my hope. Uh, and allow Coach Pry to focus on the bigger picture and some of the game management stuff that hasn't been smooth. Um, so that that's good. But you know, separate than that, and and on the subject of what's more important in life to to think and talk about, I, I appreciated 
Liberty's band, they played uh, UVA's uh, post-touchdown song after scores. And, and there was everybody with the stickers on their helmets and uh, even the color choices for the uniforms. Uh, Liberty wore the, the dark blue, which fits UVA. And then Tech was able to get into the oranges. I think it was a late week adjustment there. So it was that blue and orange that we're used to seeing from UVA and their uniforms represented there. I, I thought uh, these Virginia schools, especially playing each other this weekend, it was important for them to acknowledge UVA. And I thought, I thought everything was done very nicely with that and, and respectfully. Yeah, I thought it was too. And um, <sighs> but we should say right before the recording, they've announced that they're not playing the Virginia Tech yeah. UVA game. Um, and that's, they want to do, that's fine with me. Yep. That's, that's fine. I understand, you know, a, a lot of those are funerals being had this week. So I'm sure it would be hard to get right for the game uh, while you have all that going on. So yeah, I completely understand. I know it's a bummer for seniors on both teams, but um, sure. I, I think uh, it's understanding why that decision yeah. was made. And so for Virginia Tech, it's a three and eight season and um, you just try to build for next year. Um, for UVA, obviously, there's a lot bigger stuff going on. And um, obviously, next year, you hope this is not something that is a distraction. Yeah, it will be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, it, but you hope that uh, the processes that are being able to keep, be carried out now will kind of help make that transition into future, the next time they do step on the football field that much easier. But uh, yeah, this is something that will always be there for them. And that's, and that's you know... It, handle it the best you way, best way you can now. And I think not, if they're not having the game is part of that, then great. And that's the right decision. And uh, if they wanted to play, I'd say, great, let's go play. It'd have been hard as heck to cheer against UVA in that game. Uh, but I never really thought they were going to play this game from last Monday morning on. I just, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And I thought there was some looking like it was. And uh, Barbara was tweeting how, uh, it looks like maybe they might push the game a week or whatever, but I guess, you know, going through everything, it just wasn't the right move. So everybody's still thinking about them. Um, it's hard not to, and especially all weekend, there was a lot of um, throughout the country. You know, I talked about what they did at, at Liberty with Virginia tech and Liberty, but all throughout the country, there was points to it. And they talked about on game day and other schools. I, I really appreciated what I saw at UCLA where they had the, uh, the one, the 15 and the 41 hash mm -hmm. marks on the field marked with orange. I thought that's a real simple <laughs> way to acknowledge that, that um, was there the whole game and you could see it throughout the game. I, I, I thought that was a uh, interesting way of doing that and very cool. So um, still thinking all about them and obviously the more important factors there at, at a very tough time. We did watch other college football games this weekend uh, probably what stood out the most is how like the top six uh, kind of or top five struggled, including Tennessee going down, which um, I hated to see Hendon Hooker get hurt. Um, and I didn't really like seeing them lose the game, uh, but especially Hendon getting hurt and torn ACLs, the report there. So we're hoping he can uh, get through that as best he can, but has to be gut wrenching for him. And I know it's tough on the fan base. I was talking to a Tennessee fan today and, uh, she was talking about how how much the weekend stunk for her. Um, but, you know, Shane Beamer with another upset there at South Carolina and uh, kind of I think it was a week ago we were talking about this top uh, six and, you know, what's going to happen down the stretch of the season. And I think I made the point like something weird's going to happen. You know, it never just goes the way we all think it will. 
And sure enough, Tennessee losing wasn't really on our radar. It wasn't. Um, and it's a bummer because that's playoffs over for them. Um, and yep. it, unfortunately, with some of the other shockers going around the country um, and other close games, um, it was a great weekend in terms of, you know, I think you and I both said not really a good weekend for college football because it's a lot of good teams playing a lot of bad teams. Well, the bad teams played very well. Kentucky hung with Georgia. Um, that one was kind of never in doubt, but it was much closer than expected. Ohio State struggled with Maryland. Um, that score, not indicative of the game. And Michigan uh, almost upset at home against Illinois. TCU kicks a field goal as time is expiring to beat Baylor. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned LSU, no troubles. But USC-UCLA was a game down to the wire in a huge rivalry yeah. game where USC wins. But all these upsets now does allow someone like Alabama to start yeah. sniffing around again. I, I really hope. I think it's still going to take a lot for them to get in. But I would hope, hope that they don't. Yeah, that's this is where we go from where I was saying last week something's going to happen that upsets the apple cart here. I I'm done with that. I want this weekend to go pretty standard so that we kind of we know we're going to deal with the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not rooting for LSU to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game the week after. I just I don't want any formula for Alabama to come sniffing around again. It, it, they might play themselves into a New York six game fine, but I don't yeah. I don't want them in that top four uh you know to tcu with baylor you know that's at baylor where baylor plays well and baylor's not a terrible team so i i was understanding that game i my you know investments before the game might not have agreed with what i just said there but uh it was got really tight uh so but i don't really look at that bad um usc obviously with number 16 ucla i think everybody thought that was going to be a high scoring type game so that wasn't surprising this the Michigan Illinois game, Michigan at home just really surprised me. I just I wasn't expecting that. I know Ohio State takes off from Maryland towards the end, but they were losing at halftime. So both those teams kind of struggling. You know, I know they play each other next week and it, it releases the one, but I think that's gonna hang around in people's minds when you go into the playoff and you're gonna, you know, you're probably gonna be the number two seed. And I think it's gonna give confidence to that three seed that they're that they're pretty beatable. And so uh that'll be interesting going forward. Um, I will say, you know, obviously you want Auburn to beat Alabama uh, and knock them out next week. But um, yeah, if that doesn't boys. if that doesn't happen, I think if USC wins the Pac-12, I would think yeah, they would get in over an Alabama that's not an SEC championship game and with two losses. But who knows? Um, still still like the odds of TCU getting in. Um, the winner of the Ohio State Michigan game is obviously in. I think the loser's probably out, um, yeah. especially if, if, if USC yeah. doesn't lose. Uh, ACC took a hit. Yeah, ACC's done because uh, with Georgia Tech upsetting UNC, that burns that one to the ground. Um, yeah, I and just said it already lost last week, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, that so that they both are out. So yeah, the ACC is not going to be in it. So yeah, I I'm fine with that. I, I at this point, I'd rather not see Carolina get in. So I was kind of okay with that. Uh, I just heard a lot of noise from Carolina fans going into the weekend, and I was glad that I won't have to hear that noise anymore. Yeah, um, big rivalry games this week. 
it's it's that time of year. It's a lot of fun. Baylor will play Texas, NC State, UNC, Florida, Florida State. Uh, then Georgia will murder Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Michigan, South Carolina, Clemson could potentially be interesting. We're all rooting for Auburn to beat Alabama. You have the Civil War with Oregon, Oregon State. And then uh, USC Notre Dame should be an interesting game as well. Yeah, I I guess I'm going to see some of these games now. That's what I just learned before we started recording. Um, you know, I I don't mind uh, being able to see the Alabama-Auburn game. Uh, you know, it, it tends to be a good game, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, all these in-state rivalries, I think – I think that South Carolina Clemson game is kind of something to to sniff out there to see see what happens there, see if Shane can strike lightning again. Uh, but you know, game of the day, Michigan Ohio State. That's what everybody's going to design their Saturday around is that one, and deserve, deservedly so. So I think that'll be fun. The the Thursday games, you know, aren't highlights, but I bet you something interesting comes out of that too. So I I love Thanksgiving weekend. It's my favorite holiday. Um, I like that we're going to throw some World Cup soccer in the middle of uh, of Black Friday with we'll talk uh, the about England that in a second. for the U.S. So I, I, I'm excited about my sports watching on Friday particularly. You ready for the D block? I mean, we can move it to that. Yeah, I'm, I, that was the reason I transitioned it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Um, England pounds Iran 6-2. Uh, oh, yeah, Ecuador won against Qatar, meaning Qatar is the first ever host country to lose their first match ever in the history of the World Cup. Congratulations. That's what corruption buys you. And then and then uh, the Netherlands gets two goals late to beat Senegal. That was a very exciting match. And then the U.S. has to go and ruin the whole day by choking and giving up an obvious penalty um, and allowing Wales to get a 1-1 draw. And I, I honestly, that's the tournament. That's it. Pack it up. If I was the United States, I wouldn't even play on Black Friday. Just come home. <laughs> they suck. They're terrible. Go, go and Greg Berhalter with two Gs can get the hell out. I never want to see that goof again. He can stay in Cutter. I don't want him back. Keep him. That guy is a loser. Born and bred loser. <laughs> yeah, and I obviously watched that game from a different eye uh, as I'm not as deep into uh, soccer as you are. Um it was fun for a while. I, I was nervous, but it seemed like we were doing well in the first half and controlling the ball and had some opportunities, not a whole lot of shots on goal, but just we were dancing around the net. And, and I appreciate that. I liked getting the goal and that was fun. That was a good time to yell. But then the second half is the whole dynamic was different and we weren't as aggressive and they were with the ball a lot more on our side of the field. And you could just feel that goal coming one way or the other. Now, obviously it's a, it's a penalty shot ends up putting it in and that's a lot more obvious. It's about to see a goal, but you could just, they were going to have the right opportunity at the right time. And, and sure enough, they did. So yeah, it was disappointing. I, you know, I'm, I'm still stupid enough that I hold out hope that, um, you know, the, we have to depend on other things going right for us. Now we don't control our destiny. And I think that's the, the spark of what you're telling us to pack it up and go home for. Uh, I'm just hoping those other things go the right way, but yeah, I, it, it hurt my investment. Uh, that that goal and everything. So I was disappointed with that, but um, hopefully the the route to advancing can happen. It's just also still going to obviously set us up on a much harder path than we would have been if we were able to, you know, find a win here, use that confidence and do well against England and, you know, tie them or beat them. And now, now we 
we just got to be winning. So, uh, yeah. So let me go ahead and put the brakes on. Let me go ahead and put the brakes on. We have no shot of beating England. And you know what was my concern when we're up 1-0 at the half? And we did look very good in that first half. Should have been up by more than one. But you're up going into the half. And the sideline reporter's like, oh, I got to talk to Greg Berhalter. And, you know, he said that, you know, I asked him about the first half. And, you know, what's the message of the team? He's like, well, the message is, you know, we're not going to give up. And she goes, well, how are you going to be able to maintain that physicality? He goes, by not giving up. And I was like, that is the words of someone that is an idiot. That is a brain-dead fool talking out loud. And sure enough, in the second half, Wales made adjustments. We didn't. We sat on our heels. And as you said, it was just taking wave after wave. And and you lose to Wales, which is not – or well, you don't lose, but you get a point. You draw against Wales, which is, frankly, a match you had to have because now you have to get a point against England. It's not an option. You have to get a point against England. And then you have to beat Iran. If you beat Wales and you lose to England, as long as you don't get killed by England – you're probably okay. And then even a draw against Iran, you're through probably. Now, you're, it comes down to goal differential. Frankly, the way we played in that second half, I am very concerned. Um, I, I, I don't think we have the attacking presence to get past England. I think England is going to light up our goal, and it's going to be a problem. Um, so, and, and just watching Zimmerman just be a total dunderhead, with his tackle through the legs of that Welsh player. England is going to put so much pressure on our goal. It's going to be a problem. Your our only hope is that England lets up after a huge six, two win where they're up four goals in the goal differential. And we somehow steal a point. That's our only hope. We have no shot at beating England. Um, and, and honestly, like a draw, then you go into an Iran match that you have to win now. And they're motivated by everything else that is going on. Um, out in their own country right now. And by the way, they hate us. So that's a huge, huge factor for them. The biggest match in the history of Iranian soccer was in 1998 when they beat us. And when I saw that was the final match, I was like, man, we better beat Wales. Cause if we go into that match, having to win, this just has flop written all over it. And Greg Berhalter is going to do that because again, He's either a loser by choice or by birth. I don't care which. I don't want him coaching this team in the 2026 campaign in the route to that World Cup. He has got to go out. I will say one of my bigger takeaways from watching multiple games today uh, as I was trying to get work done in the morning and then so I could concentrate in the afternoon. But, you know, I watch enough international soccer now that I'm starting to recognize some of these referees and – the game at eight o'clock, I definitely recognize that referee from previous times, and he didn't bother me so much. I hated the referee that we had to deal with. He it was so so much pomp with him, just like he it was such a show and come stand before me to receive your yellow card. And I know others do that, but just this the mannerism. I was gonna that say that's kind of a thing. Yeah, in soccer, yeah, they make you but do just that. just the way he acted with everything, more more than that, and the way he pointed and him stopping play for non-head injuries, which is also a little different. I, I just, and then not being consistent about it, I just, I really didn't like him. So of all the people that I want to go live under a bridge after this game, I think the referee is where I'm pointing first. Look, I'm not saying the officiating was great. It's not why we got a draw. 
It's just not. No. We didn't play well enough. We're not good enough. No, we fouled him and put him put him on the line. Yeah, the like, penalty was an obvious penalty. I saw people yeah. being like, "Those don't no penalty." I'm like, "Well, that's no. one way to look at it if you're blind." But, um, it, it, unfortunately, I'm not. So I, I have eyes. And when that happened, I screamed an obscenity as he's doing it. And then the official points to the spot, and I'm like, "Oh, Christ on a cracker!" And sure enough, Gareth Bale shoots a laser through the goal, and it's. <sighs> disappointing. I will say the VAR is going quicker than I remember in the past. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's quick. It's quick now. And I think all sports should be watching that right now. Baseball in particular, you know, I, you finally came to this. Uh, now baseball just needs to get it right. I don't care how long it takes. Just get it right. Baseball. You suck at that. Well, get it right. But I mean, baseball sucks it, at the getting it right. Get it wrong. Yeah. Baseball sucks at the getting it right. I just want them to get it right right now. And then we can worry about the time it, it right. takes them. Get anything right with baseball would be appreciated. <laughs> but this means, um, you know, we start at the 5 a.m. games. <sighs> Argentina versus Saudi Arabia is probably one you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. Spoiler alert. See, I'm good, though. Win. Like, the 5 a.m. games are not bad for me because I have a dog now that will get me up, you know, probably close to halftime of those games, which is not appreciated. Uh, but at least I'll have some live sports to watch at the time. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting up, uh, you know, by the end of those games anyway. So I could probably watch some, mm-hmm. some of those finishes, which will be cool. Uh, and then I've, I've set up a, a TV situation that I can work and, and have that in the background and not be terribly distracted, but just have the noise in the background of the games. And that'll, I'm looking forward to these couple weeks here where, where we have live sports all day, every day. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and, and the the World Cup is exciting. I'm very frustrated, and I, you know, I was telling my brother, I was like, it's amazing how much that match took out of me today. I was in a great mood. Netherlands scoring two goals late against Senegal, I desperately needed for an investment, yeah. and I was so Ooh. jacked. And I was yeah. like, that was the one I was worried about because Senegal is not bad, and I was worried. I was like, mm, Senegal might mess this up for me. I was like, I really don't think we're going to be the ones that blow this. And then sure well, enough, we do. Or they started scoring. I mean, they, the. Oh, yeah. Senegal like, was really getting close to credit. scoring. Yeah. Senegal yeah. was getting close to scoring. And I was like, this is yeah. how, if you're the Netherlands, this is how you don't make it out of the group. But then the Netherlands score two goals and they're fine. Um, but yeah. And, and then the U.S. blows it. And obviously, like, I'm rooting for the U.S. because, you know, I'm an American. So I want the U.S. to do well. But then they also blow the investments um and and it's just frustrating i don't even know if i'm going to recognize the entire country at this point um (laughs) but it's it's just it was awful it's a terrible start to the world cup for the u.s it makes this match on black friday even bigger which is not something this team needs is more pressure because i don't care what they're saying to the press i don't care what greg berhalter is telling us through caveman talk it's this team can't handle it. They're they're not ready for that stage. They're just not. Um. So, uh. But again, uh. It, the rest of the week, you have the uh, favorites. Argentina starting. They play Saudi Arabia. Mexico. Poland tomorrow should be a good match. Um. Looking ahead to the week. Switzerland versus Cameroon is interesting. That's going to be on Thursday. And then I like Portugal Ghana on Thursday as well. I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, it's going to be weird when I, you know, I have my multiple TV set up and I mm-hmm. can get to it quickly. It's going to be weird on Thursday morning when I have like 
World Cup soccer on a giant TV and next to it, like a Macy's parade. It's going to be weird. Uh, I won't have the Macy's parade. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, no Macy's (laughs) parade. Um, Black Friday is when we play England. Now, the other match that day that you're going to want to make sure you watch is at 11 a.m. That's right before ours. Netherlands versus Ecuador. Ecuador is insanely good defensively. And seeing how much the Netherlands struggled to score on Senegal, I think that screams nil-nil draw. That has that written all over it, but it's going to be an exciting nil-nil draw. Exciting nil-nil draw. Let's go. Yeah. Um, whereas we're going to get we're going to get beaten like a drum. I think Senegal beats Qatar like a drum, and I think Wales probably beats Iran like a drum. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting week of the World Cup. Spain versus Germany is on Sunday at two, which is right smack dab in the middle of your NFL window. But um, that'll be a good match. That game will be ending. That game will be down its final stretch, probably tied during the witching hour. That's, that's mm-hmm. going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I expect I'll be watching it. So um, exciting soccer. Uh, obviously, just extremely disappointed that the U.S. Um, did U.S. things. Yeah. One day they won't. What else did you get into this weekend? Had family down. It was a great time. Nice. Spent time with them. Um, it's always great this time of year getting to spend time with family and uh, – was very happy to see them and uh, actually was the first person in my generation of the family to host an event. It's been the older generation, my parents' generation, that's always done the hosting. So I'm the first person in this generation that's been able to host the family. So check that off. Look at you. Millennials taking over. <laughs> see, I, I try to, I try to dump myself into the generation before that. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's it's always fun when you start like collecting people to your house. Um, it gets it clean, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's the cleanest it's ever been. So I was there when you moved in, so it's cleaner than that. <laughs> cleaner than that. Cleaner than that. Because then that even then we had boxes everywhere. Now it's clean. Well, that's good. Well, I have we have most of our family stuff coming up, uh, and I have to design my sports watching around that, like every year. Um, but I'm, I'm not as excited about the NFL games on, on Thursday and often I'm not, um, but the college football the weekend, I'll be excited, but yeah, we'll have some good meals on Wednesday night, Thursday, and then, uh, Sunday, at least one. So I, I got, I got plenty ahead of me and high school football mixed in like usual. So that'll be good. The only, the only bad news that I just saw that Cody Elliott retweeted was that they're going to delay the EA sports college football game another year. I just saw that and sent that to a group text while you were talking. Terrible. It gives me enough year to get a proper gaming system to play such a game on, but uh, that's disappointing. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's reasons for it, but I just hate it. I hope the reason, and I doubt this is it. Uh, they were going to operate like on the same, like basic outline of Madden football, which they never did before. Like college football was its own thing. And Madden football was its own thing. Now I'm not saying they didn't share insight, but it was like the same, or they were different. Now they were going to be the same. I hope at some point in the last months, they started to like differ a little bit and that's, what's delaying it. That would be the only acceptable way that I'll accept this is that it's not built on the same foundation that Madden is. 
but I doubt. Yeah, I, I just to me it raises a lot of red flags. Like they don't know what they're doing, and this is gonna be a problem. Um, hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it sucks. Um, oh, also this weekend I blew a tire, so that was fun. Yeah, and you called me or texted me, and uh, I appreciate you didn't do it mid mid blowout, but uh, I appreciated the call. I, I appreciated that uh, you were you were in this direction. I keep telling you, you know, if you're near death. You know, most of the time it's like when you're sick, you know, give me a call. I can get to you quicker than your mom can. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated the call. I, I didn't do anything for you, but I appreciated that you at least called me. So. You did. You did ask if I needed anything. And I said no. Um, yeah. I don't know why race car drivers freak out every time they blow a tire. It's not that hard. Um, <laughs> you just blow the tire. Yeah. Big deal. Let's go. yeah. yeah I mean, you just blow the tire and you drift off. Casually drift off the interstate. That's all you do. Um, race car drivers are like, oh gosh, drive into the wall. I don't know, they or drive into another car. Than you were going. I don't know. Only a little bit faster. I was going and they pretty might be fast. Like on an embankment, and with all the seven hundred other cars, or forty. I'm hearing excuses. Like These people are allegedly better drivers than I am. Um, <laughs> but I was behind my in-laws when the trailer tire on the boat blew, and just it happening ahead of me made me scream. I still get made fun of. So uh, I'm on the other side of this. Than you I will say I screamed. Um, good. Obscenities. But <laughs> some life in you. That's good. Obscenities. But um, because when <laughs> it I happened, I was just frustrated. Fight. That's good. <laughs> I was just frustrated. It's like bleepity bleep bleep. This is bleeping stupid. I bleep and hate this. Um, so that wrecked my plans for Sunday. Uh, but um, very appreciative of the man who came and fixed it. Uh, picked me up in the tow truck and took me to his tire shop, which allegedly is the only one open on Sundays. So that's great. Um, that was the, that was the other worst part of it. It was like of all days it's Sunday. Yeah, we, I, Oh, I have that. And maybe a little added to it. Uh, we were going to Charlottesville to go to like babies are us. Um, and we were going to get some stuff and it was going to be a Sunday and that's the plan. I, uh, this was a while ago, a couple years ago, we had two kids then. Um, well on Saturday, uh, it just so happened the Hokies and the Cavaliers played a basketball game and those Hokies won that basketball game. So, Hey, it's Sunday. We're going to Charlottesville, throw on all the tech gear on everybody in their family, including the kids. Let's go to Charlottesville. So of course we have a major oil issue where the oil change that had happened at the end of the week didn't get put back together correctly. So we're throwing oil all over uh, 64 and then onto route 29 bypass. And uh, that was a Sunday. And so I was pretty like, here we are on the side of the road, dressed in maroon and orange, you know, hoping for help. And uh, lucky enough, there was nice people in Charlottesville that did assist us that day. And so uh, I thought that was, it's a good time to bring that story up with, you know, everything going on over there. Uh, that those good people over there deserve our thoughts and, and prayers, and we will continue sending them that that way. Um, but yeah, that's my Sunday car issue story. And uh, so I think you were slightly in better condition because you weren't wearing like uh, you know ODU stuff driving through Harrisonburg or something. You you were still you were still solid. Yeah, I do want to give a shout out Adams Tire and Towing Service. Great people. There it is. Great. If you people. need help on a Sunday. Yeah, if you ever need help on a Sunday, you can call him. He'll send his tow truck out to pick you up chatted world cup with the guy it was great um told him yeah the u.s needs to beat wales because otherwise we're in trouble and he's like oh i think they'll be okay he's more <laughs> optimistic than me um 
He knows more about cars than you. You apparently know more than soccer than him. (laughs) Apparently. But again, thanks to Adam's tire and towing service for coming out and picking me up and uh, taking care of me on Sunday. That will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. So we'll tell you all about the future car troubles this week, which are hopefully none. Um, Tell us about your car troubles, if you have any. Or your tire blowing stories. Um, I want to hear a story from somebody after this week about doing something completely rude at Thanksgiving to in in effort to watch sports, like making the wrong decision about family time to watch sports. I want to hear somebody. Else I've got news. I, My family knows me. I'm telling them right now. Like I don't want to hear from you. I, I expect it from you. I want to. I want. I want to know there's other people as bad as us because I know me and you have them. I want to hear other people tell us their stories where they were rude about their sports washing in, in a time of family at Thanksgiving or Christmas. I want to hear some stories. I'll play like our family. We've had this conversation multiple times. I've told the family, look games. I'm here. Sure. We'll play games, but the football is on in the background. It's yeah. going to be on the TV and I will be watching it while we play. Um, see, my mom does this, this year- Thanksgiving meal specifically in the room where you can't see a TV from just before that reason. So. <laughs> this year, though, it's, I mean, look, there's World Cup added to it. Sorry, we're going to have two screens. It's going to be the TV, and I'm going to have a tablet, and I will be watching it, and you just got to get on board. Um, Yelling. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. You can scream. It's fine. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it's just is what it is. Now, my brother's a Cowboys fan, so he's always watching the Cowboys game with me when we're together, and that's, Always interesting. Um, now, his significant other is a Giants fan, and they play each other this year on Thanksgiving. So I think Thanksgiving is going to be a little less thankful during that game, maybe. Uh, but I, we're both, I think that's going to be funny. Um, he's already watched the Cowboys beat the Giants once, so I expect for that to be another fun time. But again, this is a long-winded way of saying we are closing this episode of the Axe Sports Podcast. Tell us the times you shove your family off to watch the sports on Thanksgiving. Tell us how you did it. Be sure to follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. We're on Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod, Y-A-C Sports Pod. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching Y-A-C Sports Pod as well. Or if social media is not your jam, you can email us, Yak Sports Pod, Y-A-C Sports Pod at gmail.com. Interact with us. Tell us your story about getting involved in the sports and Thanksgiving. And then also tell us, you know, your college football stories. Who do you think is going to be in this college football playoff when it's all said and done? And all kinds of stuff. Be sure to interact with us. Leland and I love talking. If you have your batter intro songs or whatever from a few weeks ago and you haven't given those to us yet, give them to us on the links to the episode. You can comment on those as well. Until then, folks, have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.